0: Hi everyone and welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have in your life and what next steps do you need to take to get there. Welcome to episode four. I am so glad that you're here. I think you're going to be glad you tuned in as well because we are joined by Olympic champion Scott Hamilton. Scott is also a cancer survivor, a television broadcaster. Of course, we saw him in the 2022 Winter Olympics with some unbelievable commentary and everything happening there. He's also a motivational speaker. He's an author, husband, father, and probably one of the most optimistic guys I've ever met. Now, during his figure skating career, uh, Scott's achievements include, of course, Olympic gold in 1984 and over 70 titles, awards, and honors. Now, as you're listening to this conversation with Scott, uh, think about your answers to just a couple of questions. First, how would you answer? What's next for you? As you think about wherever you're at in life, your career, your family, your next goals, what's next? And the second question is, when's the last time in your job or in life you really felt that nervousness, that when your palms are a bit sweaty and you know you have to perform, when's the last time you felt that? As you hear from Scott, that may not be a bad thing when you have that feeling. Scott said yes to this interview and he was just two days before the Olympics. And he took time to sit down for this conversation. And the fact that he did that when he didn't have to tells me everything I need to know about Scott. So now, let's listen to episode four. And everyone, here is Scott Hamilton. It is great to have you here. I'm looking at your face right right there. And welcome to the podcast.
1: No, it's great. This is fun. Congratulations on launching this new venture. It's always exciting to see how it all works and what, you know, little tweaks you got to do here and there. And, and it's really fun to be, uh, for
0: me to be, you know, one of your
1: first, um, opportunities to speak with. So I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. It is
0: great to have you here. You know, many people have followed your career. Uh, my goodness. Uh, but there may be a few that maybe haven't over the years. And why don't you just give us a little recap about who you are and where have you been, Scott?
1: Oh, well, I, I mean, I'm, it you know, kind of starts with I was adopted at six weeks of age. I was an unwanted, unintended baby, and I found a great home with two school teachers from Northwestern Ohio. Um, you know, I grew up in a great home. I, I stopped growing for several years, which put me in and out of hospitals for about four years. Came home from the last hospital visit where they couldn't find anything wrong with me, even though I hadn't grown really in four years. <laughs> and uh, the doctor just sent us home with the idea just you know, just live a normal life and see what happens. I mean, uh, it's, uh, there comes a point where those, those things can be said, right? After four years of, of medical tests and, um, and just constantly being in the hospital. So uh, yeah, they took me off all my restrictive diets, dairy, sugar, flour, and I got to have birthday cake for the first time in memory. And, um, and then just to give my parents a morning off, there was a brand new facility at Bowling Green State University in Ohio. Where they built a skating rink and uh, they taught children how to skate from eight to noon every saturday morning and i went to give my parents a morning off from all the stress and all the anxiety and exhaustion of my 4 years in the hospital and uh i just found like it was something that i could do as well as well kids and it was something i could do as well as best athletes in my grade so um I I became a skater and I played hockey a little bit while figure skating and then the figure skating took on a bigger identity and I'd compete regionally do pretty well sexually so so nationally disaster I had to figure all that stuff out and finally I did um uh it was right after I lost my mother to cancer I um decided that uh I wanted to honor her so I just worked, I was a, more intentional, and I, I just, uh, I took a lot more meat of the ice, and that turned into instant results. Um, uh, three years after I lost her, I was on the 1980 U.S. Olympic team, where I came in fifth, carried the flag in the opening ceremonies, which was fun. And then uh, for the next four years after that, I went undefeated, ending with an Olympic gold medal um, in Sarajevo, and then my fourth world championship in Ottawa a month after that. And then I turned pro. Where I toured as a uh, skater uh, two years in the ice capades and another 18 uh, with Stars and Ice, and um, and became a father and decided it's time to stop wearing spandex, making a fool of myself. So um, I am uh, I, um, you now a cancer survivor and all of that. Um, I learned a lot about cancer about 20 years after I lost my mom to the same disease and, and decided to start a foundation. So um, I have the uh, Scott Hamilton Cares Foundation. We raise money for a very specific research uh, where we want to be able to treat the the cancer and spare the patient harm. And uh, we've been doing that for a very long time. And uh, and we're looking for growth opportunities. And um, it's been an amazing journey. And and uh, uh, yeah, I just keep collecting these life threatening illnesses. So um, I've got my third brain tumor now. And, um, I have four kids and a wow. wife that, that loves me through it.
0: <laughs> My goodness. that, that uh, Yeah. That's, that's important to have that support system. That's a reader's not, digest right? version. So,
1: you know, that's a condensed, <laughs> but there's well, a lot of stuff that happened in that, um, yeah. where, you know, I just, uh, I just, you know, I learned a lot and I grew a lot and well, not physically, but, <laughs> um, but I, I, uh, you know, I came to faith, you know, soon after I met my wife and, um, that's been a, a wonderful adventure and, and a learning experience and growing experience. And, and, uh, I've, I've managed to come across a lot of great people and, and in, in my life and world, like, you know, your friend, Bob Goff and my friend, Bob Goff and, uh, <laughs> Tim Scherer, who worked for Don Miller. And I'm reading, uh, this right now, oh. which, Man, that's ignited a whole bunch of hero, fires. In
0: my yeah. That, so yeah, hero, yeah. So, hero on a mission. by Don that's Miller. It's Don brand Miller's brand new, book.
1: new book. He's taken story brand and he's brought it into, you know, a personal adventure, personal yeah. journey, and it's, it, it just, it's a wake up call. It's like, <laughs> it's, hello, I thought I was living, but oh, I live better. So uh, here I we t- go. Good isn't luck. that the
0: truth? I'm just a couple of chapters in. How far into it are you?
1: Hmm. I am uh where am I chapter like four or five. Yeah, yeah. I'm just about to finish chapter
0: four. <laughs> it does grab yeah. you. In, oh in man, fact. it
1: hooks you. It's like right in the right in the and, and it just it reels you in. And and you know, Don's a really smart guy. I've gotten to know him through Bob Goff. Um yeah. And uh spent a lot of time with him here in Nashville. And he's a wonderful, intelligent, charming, incredible now family man. Yeah. and uh he's just He's, he's gone through stuff and he had to figure it out, like all of us, right? We're all knuckleheads and we've got to, you know, make our mistakes and put our hand on the stove and we, you know, uh, and, and the big mistakes, we try not to get caught. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just that, right? And, and uh, once we get to a certain age, we just have to, you know, put our big boy pants on and just start really figuring out what God put us here for. And, uh, you know, regardless of anything that's happened in the past, it's, we're looking towards the future. And, you know, I was really very, um, you know, just growing up and skating and achieving and doing all those things. I was very aware that um, all of it was temporary. Hmm. And so, you know, I I was always kind of trying to look forward and trying to create and trying to be obedient to anything that Lord put in front of me, I tried to do it as well as I could. And, and all in that, you know, you you just sort of try to reveal who you organically and specifically and uniquely are. Hmm.
0: Well, how, Scott, what have you learned though through that journey? And um, that's easier said than done, right? I mean, why why are you here? It's that purpose, right? Ah. What 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 have you learned? Uh, there may be some who are listening to this and they're asking themselves that question every single day as they drive to work, as they walk in the door at the end of a long day. What, what, what have you learned?
1: Well, I learned that, you know, it, it's constant, you know, you're, you're moving forward. And the second you stop, that's where the kind of the depression kicks in. Um, you've got to be moving forward. You've got to, you know, you've got to be creative. You've got to be aware, you've got to be engaged and, and you can't let the tail wag the dog, you know, and and when I feel myself doing that, that's when I start getting low. And and I, and I I I really enjoy working hard at things I enjoy. And I I have a difficult time really dedicating my to my to tedious things that I find to be just sort of like Ugh. just <laughs> you know it's like yeah. I don't want to do that. You know I, I joke that I, nego- I I negotiated my high school diploma. Um, <laughs> and I did uh, <laughs> with the vice principal and. Uh, it was a good negotiation. He just sailed me right through. And, um, but it was that. It was like I was never meant to be in academia, even though both my parents were. Um, I was never meant to be purely in sport because I had more of an entertainer's heart. I, I never was meant to you know, last long, you know, longer than I did performing as I did because um, I then became more of a communicator through broadcasting and speaking. And now that I've you know done that for a very long time, um, I'm really curious as to you know what's next for me. So um, I you know I got kids that are getting older; they're you know high school ones graduating this year, another one next year, another one in four years, and then they're you know it's me and my wife. So um, you know it, it life you know is happening throughout all of this, and and it's just really fun to you know to pour into other people and my cancer foundation i'm really able to offer hope and a destination for people that really want to make a difference in that world and and we work really hard and we're a very small organization that um presents itself much larger because we work hard and i've I've always been a volunteer which makes me happy because i never want to take one penny away from the mission and Um, It's really hard to fire a volunteer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for any reason, right?
0: Yeah, protection all the way. Mm -hmm. So, what what is your purpose right now, Scott? What is your purpose, and why are you doing what you're doing?
1: My purpose, I I think, right now is seeing my kids through. You know, as far as uh, individually in business, um, it's evolving. You know, I really see it through COVID. You know, I was on fire; I was speaking constantly all over the country, and it was a it was a very uh, dynamic, you know, speaking business. And then COVID shut everything down. And, and it was like, okay, you know, the, it, it, the Bible's right. You know, we can sweep the rug out from you anytime we want. And these things are temporary. Focus on the things that are eternal, you know. So I'm really, you know, trying to be more um, available to my kids. I've spent a lot of time with, um, like I just booted my, my youngest son was right here. Um. When I got home from the my cancer foundation offices, we had some big high level meetings today, and I go, I, I need the computer, and he goes, Oh, And <laughs> you know, like time, like I'm I'm booting him away from his homework. It's like I feel guilty. Like really, like what have I done? Yeah, um. Yeah. But you know, he has a hockey game tonight, and and uh, I, you know, I'm just really enjoying them while they're here, and and really trying to be available and pour myself into them, and and give them honestly, whatever they need in order to, you know, keep advancing. So, um, there are those, um, periods in life where it's not about me, you know, and, um, I'm just trying to support my wife who just lost her mother uh, a couple of weeks ago and she's devastated. And, and, uh, you know, my oldest son is, uh, you know, is launched and kind of trying to figure that out. And then my oldest biological son is, uh, is, you know, senior in high school and kind of having wow. his victory lap and trying to figure out what's next. And, and so it's just really great that the speaking thing has been taken away for the time being. Um, because I do like most, you know, Americans, I enjoy an income. I really do. Uh, but that being said, it's like, you know, I, I'm fine. Uh, and to be here for them, and to, you know, really build these memories now that they're, older and more mature uh like my 18 year old son and i are going to some goofy island in the caribbean it was his 18th birthday present that's what he wanted it was for him and i to go away over spring break just he and i now how many 18 year old kids want to go with their dads (laughs) just one-on-one to a spring break in the middle of the caribbean exactly so i i just jumped all over that so um yeah it's hockey tournaments and soccer and and uh just, you know, trying to pour into my kids while I have them.
0: I love that. I mean, there are these seasons in life where it gets really busy and, um, you can get distracted and you can drift a bit, but you really do have to be, I don't know, you have to have your guard up to avoid getting sucked into the things that really aren't the priority in life after all. Um, and for example, your story of your kids, I mean, I have three adult kids Mm -hmm. and I found that, I need, what I've tried to do more of, Scott, is spend some time looking at each one of them and thinking about what do they need from their dad right now mm-hmm. that only yeah. uniquely I, as a father, can provide. It's usually and, cash, yeah. Well, well <laughs> there's <is> that. <laughs> one, is, uh, one is looking now for a new job. The other yeah. is still in my basement. <laughs> but there are those times when you just, even even though they're growing up, they still need their parents. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and And
1: you know what? And you still need them.
0: You know, there's,
1: there, there's that um, undeniable, unconditional love that you only get as a parent. You don't know it in any other way. Like I always say that when you hear your first child cry for the very first time, a chemical is released in your brain that makes you mildly psychotic for the rest of your life. And it's true, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's, it's that un, it's it, unconditional love. It's like the first time in your life that you would give a vital organ or you'd die for somebody, you know, because the, the, this love that God puts in us is now ignited in, in a way that now we understand his love for us. And it's, yeah. it, it's mind blowing, but it's, it's, it you don't want to let go of that in so many ways. So it's okay that they're living in your basement. It's okay that they haven't figured it out yet. And it's okay that you get to kind of just hang on to them just a little bit longer because, you know, once they're gone, you know, um, and they build their lives and their families, you know, you don't get to see them as often. So uh, I'm just milking everything I can get out of these years. And, and I try not to be, you know, uh, you know one of the oh it's so hard or oh it's Mm. this you know it's like here we go again or i don't have enough time or today my wife got uh uh you know her bible study ran long and uh she goes i need you i need you to drop everything and and get over and grab a sandwich and take it to eat it for lunch and it's like don't really have time for that but i'm guess what guess what I'm going to do? And it. I was a little late getting there, but he was really happy because <laughs> he was hungry oh. and it was just that it's like, you drop yeah. everything and you just make it happen. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's that to me, that's, that's the secret sauce that makes everything more a lot, you know, brighter and more alive. And, and, uh, and, and I just, I, I try not to lose sight of that because it, it can feel tedious at times, or it can feel like, well, you know, what's in it for me? And I I gotta, you know, I gotta have this, whatever. No, it's like, the most important thing I can do right now is that is the most important thing I can do right now. And, and um, it's joy, you know, and I think if we can step into that, you know, and, and almost everything with gratitude, you know, we're probably gonna, we're probably gonna live well.
0: Well said. You know, uh, I was just thinking back to when the kids were younger and the entryway of our house was always just filled with shoes and clutter and mess. Do you want me I- to
1: turn my computer? <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's clutter. It's yeah. So clutter. I, I'd open the door and I, I'd <laughs> open the door from coming back from work and it was difficult to get the door open. I remember just like being really just, you know, frustrated and oh my God. Beble. Yeah. But I got to tell you, we're- Scott. I would, the kids are all gone now, right? I mean, they're different season of life. I would kill just for one more day like that. Right. I I didn't appreciate it. Like you said, the gratitude, I think we can lose sight of that, that this time moves very quickly and nothing is forever. You really do have to really savor every moment you have in this life.
1: Yeah. And you know, it, it comes down to, you have a job, you're lucky, Yeah, you know, treat it that way, you know? And and for all those years that I skated and all those years that I skated as a professional, I really took it seriously. You know, I knew if, if there was a night that I wasn't nervous, that wasn't a good sign. Because no. I, I, need, I, needed to, I needed to really, like, be apprehensive about the performance because I wanted it to be at the top, top, top of my game. So if I wasn't nervous, that means that I was becoming somewhat complacent. Mm. No, that's not going to work, right? So, I kept—I really kept an eye on on just being nervous and being, you know, apprehensive, and and just sort of, you know, kind of being anxious all the time, just making sure that I, every performance was an honest one. And when I got to the end, I realized that you know the last performance I gave was Stars on Ice. I was in uh, Long Island, Nassau County Coliseum. And I was skating like this beautiful song that Michael Feinstein uh, was Jimmy Webb's song that he performed that I'd love to call Only One Life, How Appropriate. Hmm. And I my son at the time was about six months old. And the whole time I'm skating, I was saying, What am I doing here? I've worked my whole life, 20 years as a professional, to, to be able to see his first steps and hear his first words and to to have the opportunities that moms have that dads don't always have, right? It's not only right. that sexist at all. I'm saying that rallies are, you know, that, you know, moms have this kind of inner muscle, this kind of like in their, their, their chemical is really released, right. In their brain. Yeah. And, and they have, they see those moments and they experience those things day to day. And, and I, I, I just so desperately wanted that. So, um, that was pretty much when I hung up the skates and I just decided to be, be a dad full time. And, and it was the best decision I ever made.
0: So that was the moment. I mean, literally when you were, when you were on the ice, that's what was going through your mind. You're in the zone and, and that's what was passing. Oh, I had a great, I
1: skated great. I landed all my jumps and, and the performance got a full standing ovation. It was awesome. It was like everything I dreamed of always, but pretty much the whole time I was skating that night, I was like, What am I doing here? Mm -hmm. And I, and I knew, so I went home back to, I was living in California at the time. And I trained for the next two weeks, like I was going to the Olympics. Like I trained hard and I got everything back, all my jumps. I was just landing everything swished, backflips were floating. Everything was just perfect. And on that day, when everything was just absolutely perfect, I didn't miss a thing. I I, I like a perfect practice session. I decided I'm never going back. And uh, so, you know, it's like that. And so it's been great. I've been able to, you know, be with my kids and and spend more time with my wife and do special things and, and build a cancer foundation and, and, you know, just next it next, you know, it's you know, and and I, you know, I I, I always knew that, you know, when I came back from the Olympics, um, the governor of Colorado, um, I was living in Denver at the time, he invited me into his office. And I thought it was a photo op, right? So I got my jacket and tie on. Like I went in, and he closed the door behind me and he said, "Come on in, let's sit and talk." I go, "Well, what, what's this all about?" And he said, "Hey, I just my wife, you know, said she met you the other day at the big celebration, the Olympic celebration, and she thought you were a really nice gentleman." I go, well, "Thank you. I, I'm fond of her as well. You know, she survived brain, uh, 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 breast cancer." And that's what took my mom. So I was really excited to see her and looking healthy and well. And he just said, look, I just want to talk to you about the hometown hero syndrome. And I said, what is that? And he said, well, it's like, picture the high school, you know, quarterback of the football team. He throws a bomb at the end of the game to win the state championship. And they carry him off, off the field on their shoulders. And he feels like the rest of his life is going to be just that moment, the rest of his life. And it's not. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to diminish your enthusiasm or I want you to, to enjoy the fruits of your labor. I just want you to know that it's not always going to be like it is today. Mm. And I want you to prepare for that so that, you know, your life after this doesn't feel like it's less, but you know, that, you know, next is next. And, and I, I just, I, at the time I remember, I just thought that was very generous and after that, I went to um, speak at the Paralympic banquet, which was happening the next week. And it was there that I saw all these amazing athletes, incredible athletes. Um, some were blind, some were missing limbs. And they, 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 they did things that I could never imagine doing. And it's like, how special am I? I'm not. <laughs> I, I was able-bodied. I just went out and did my thing. And so it was really a humbling Couple of weeks right out of the gate, and that allowed me to kind of, you know, kind of dig into the blocks and and just build uh, humbly, build a professional
0: career. You know, Scott, there are many people listening that um, they may be thinking about uh, making a change, and maybe they mm-hmm. they're not getting nervous at whatever their vocation is. Maybe they just want to do something different the next. <laughs> but scary, right? How, how yeah. do you know where to go, and how do you step out in faith? To, oh, to, I, I, you know, it's that.
1: a simple inventory. Am I ever going to, if I wanted today more than anything in the world, if I wanted to, to play in the NBA, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not going to happen. So you take stock, right? You take an inventory of all of your giftings, of all the things that you know that you are capable of doing and all the things that you know you're capable of, of developing and you work in that space so like no matter what if i if i want to be in the it's not going to happen right if i wanted to do um i, I mean there's a, a a laundry list of things that i could never ever do no matter how desperately i wanted to do them but you know with what i've been gifted cancer gift gift now i can step into that space and try to save lives and and save the quality of people's lives because i've been given that experience and i've been given a unique understanding of what that is i can step into that now with you know some level of authority and 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 ability and and just make a difference right yeah. like say like next thing if i you know, when when i started speaking it was like that I don't want to step in front of all those people and have to talk for 45 minutes. And then I couldn't wait, (laughs) you know, just (laughs) I had a story to tell. I just needed to figure out how to tell it. And I think that's maybe the best swing thought, you know, for that particular step forward is it shouldn't be a step in the dark. It should be something that you've got a story to tell, tell it, you've got something within you that is, is uh, specifically anointed or, you've got something that is um, that you just have like the goods to be able to step into that and learn and grow in that. And that's why, you know, I see what Tim Schur is doing by stepping away from his day job to get into the next, because he's learned and he's ready to take that step and he has the goods in order to do that. It's why Bob Goff, you know, with all the things that he went lawyer and all these other identities that he had, he was able to uh, almost assemble those, um, like he always says, I speak in metaphor, whatever. Uh, you know. it's like he was able to kind of articulate that to become an amazing and compelling speaker that people just can't wait to hear. Right. And so, you know, you step into things based in, it's almost like if the Lord put it on your, on, in your mind and in your heart, then you owe it to him to step forward in faith and, and just do what it takes in order to pull it off. But they wouldn't he wouldn't put you in that space without um, giving you what you needed in order to, to be successful, or at least to maybe if, if you're not going to be as successful in that to open the next door, to do what you're really supposed to be doing. Right. So it, it's just moving forward. And, um, and I love that, you know, it's just um, and it's right. You know, it's like everything I'm reading in Don Miller's, you know, here on a mission. It's like, I'm moving forward. I got to keep moving forward. I got to keep moving. And yeah. the, the key is moving. If you stop moving, if you stop working, if you stop cold turkey and you're not doing anything, then then that's where you know the unfortunate elements in your life of being either a victim or a villain, right? They all come in out of bitterness. You can just say whatever things. So I like, you know, this book really is resonating with me because I see it. As like, yeah, the, the times when I've been at my worst, the times where I just coasted, yeah. and I didn't have anything to really look forward to. I didn't have anything that I could really just look at and say, wow, what a blessing, you know? And, and, and we do, we just have to keep moving forward and we just have to, um, you know, take advantage of our days. But during COVID, I launched a platform called Live Your Days. And if you want to check it out, liveyourdays.com. It was really fun. It was just sort of a pep talk of like, our bodies are incredibly vulnerable. We learned that during the pandemic. They're also resilient, but ultimately temporary. So we have to live our
0: days. So liveyourdays.com. And also you have, you're an author as well, Finish First. Uh, You published Mm -hmm. that a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that book because you really talk about kind of the essence of being your best and competing. And, and What's well, what I had
1: to learn, right? I had to learn that you know, just because I, you know, I, skating was a gift to me and I, I was, I had a, a natural affinity towards it and I had a yeah. natural ability. That wasn't a recipe for victory, you know. I had to, I had to lose a lot and embarrass myself a lot in order to get to a place where I could now leverage all my experience and and training and and focus that towards better results, but you know, it, it, it's that whole idea that, you know, it's not just the big win that matters. It's all the little wins, you know, showing up every day on time. That's a win. You yeah. do that enough over time and it changes so much of the way people look at you, the way people trust you, the way that you're given responsibility. And 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 it was that way with me. It's like I showed up every day on time. I showed up every day not only on time, but with the intention of getting better than I've ever been. I learned that that failure was purely just information, nothing more. I understood that criticism only comes in two forms, and that's fact and and uh, um, opinion. And you're you're more than welcome to delete opinion at any given time. So I really wanted to take what I learned and all the pain points that came along with it, just to remind people that there's something in there that they can leverage in order to be yeah. better than they've ever been.
0: Failure is information. Is that what you said? Failure is purely information.
1: And if you think about it, it makes sense, right? Failure is information. That didn't work. Let's try it again in a different way, <laughs> right? It's like, it doesn't matter if it's, a, if it's a jump or a spin or if it's a relationship or a job, you know, if you fail at something, you learn and it shouldn't yeah. be disfiguring or scarring or ugly or something they have to put into a bag and you know carry it around for the rest of your life. It's information that didn't work. Let's try it a different way. Yeah. And and it's remarkable that once I, I kind of got to that and it took me, I think probably writing finished first that I realized like, wow, that's true. Like I've fallen 41,600 times on the ice
0: minimum. Wait a minute! Right, forty-one thousand six hundred times minimum. Minimum, minimum. <laughs>
1: so you think about getting up forty-one thousand six hundred times. That's building a muscle that allows you to be more resilient and more, no. more powerful than you ever thought possible. Plus, you know, the idea that I fell on 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 that particular jump, maybe you know, fifteen hundred times, and then I now I don't fall on it anymore for as cool. much. You know, it's like that that's what the, the almost the the payment that it takes in order to get to that place is failure. So you you, you fail You go, you oh I dropped my shoulder. Doggone it, I gotta keep that up and then I can just rotate straight. Oh, I picked too soon. God gone, I gotta okay. wait a little bit longer and wait for that launch point. Great. Okay, what else do I need to do? Oh yeah, stand up taller in the air. That way I'll spin faster. Ah, okay, get over the right side. And it takes experimentation failure in order to get there so and it's the same you know it's like yeah. um you know it, it it's like when I met my wife for the very first time I had enough life experience to know that I need to pay attention to this moment right
0: now really you know <laughs> this is
1: important <laughs> yeah I never thought I'd see her again but it, it was providential that we were meant to be together because I met her and I thought, okay, I gotta get off the bench because if I can meet somebody like her, I'm ready to go. And on her way home from meeting me, never thinking she was gonna see me again, she just told her cousin, she goes, you know, that's the type of man I see myself marrying someday. Nice, nice. And then we we met up again a few months later and we've been together ever since. So, you know, it's that, you know, you have to be ready and and a lot of it comes out of unfortunate circumstances and failures and yeah. and um and that's okay we have to to learn to to grow and and live out of them
0: scott um uh, what are you most excited about right now what project are you working on that's giving you a lot of energy and a lot of joy right now what's what's next uh,
1: you know it's I, i'm stepping into the olympics you know i don't know when this is going to air but i've got a mountain of work i gotta do to prepare for that you know it's When you step into specifically a sport that changes so rapidly over four years, and even in the fourth year, all the new names that you know the Russian women are ridiculous. I mean, it's so good. Oh my goodness. There was one that looked like she was unbeatable. And then another one came and is doing multiple quads at her program. Girl doing a woman doing multiple quads. And then another one came out who, like um Johnny and Tara say is the perfect skater. Um, and she just like she's just now old enough to compete at the Olympics and she's heavily favored to win. So it's like, you know, you, I got to learn all the names and their backstories and all this stuff. So I got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited about the future of my cancer foundation, but mostly I'm excited about, you know, the season that my family's in and, and, you know, the next, you know, and, and I got to get my, um, my old, battered body in shape because I have a 444 mile bike ride coming up in May that I'm not oh. ready for. Tell
0: us about <laughs> that. What, what, what's your training regimen like? What are you doing to get in shape? Well, I'm, i you
1: know, it's, as we say in the South, I'm fixing to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, uh, uh, you know, I've got, I've got the, the bike downstairs in my workout room and waiting for the weather to change here. I've got all the bikes I need to get me to the finish line. Yeah. Giant was really good to you know give me the right bike um, in order for the, for the ride. I've got good people to ride with, and we're gonna ride the length of the Natchez Trace Parkway, start hmm. in Natchez, Mississippi, and go all the way to Nashville, Tennessee, four hundred and forty-four miles over um, five days.
0: Oh my! And how many people you do you know expect crazy to have is, there? Uh, pardon? How many people do you think will be riding with you?
1: I don't know yet. We're just really pushing it out now. We're just getting, we got the planning stages down of where the legs are and where we're going to stop. And now okay. we're going to rest. And and then, um, yeah. And, you know, it's funny is everything in my life is eights. I was born 8, 28, 58. I, I trained figure eights. You know, whenever I see an eight, I know something good's about to happen, right? Because yeah. eights have been in my life. And I did the math for the, the, it's called Erase the Trace is the name of the ride. I did the math. 444 divided by five is 88.8
0: 8. you can't <laughs> so make I'm that gonna, up I, no. I
1: think i'm gonna be okay <laughs>
0: i think you're good. we'll release this podcast on the eighth i'm not sure what month but is that okay mm-hmm. we'll, we'll stick with that
1: <laughs> that's for you i mean that's great uh, you know, i've done the work you know but it's amazing um yeah. how much the you know how much good is out there if we If we mine for it, you know, it's like I try to tell people all the time, especially those that really feel unsettled and 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 just like out of sorts. I say, you know, think about this. What does a diamond look like when you pull it out of the ground? A rock. Yeah. (laughs) And you gotta chip away and polish, you know, and keep chipping, keep polishing, keep chipping, keep polishing. And and when you when you finally cut a diamond, man that dirty thing you pulled out of the ground now sparkles in a way that nothing else can. And, and it's, that's, that's us, right? You know, we're, we're diamonds. We're all diamonds in the Lord's eyes. We are precious and we've just got to chip away at the stuff that prevents us from sparkling, you know, and, and that just takes time.
0: And I just do have to follow up on that, Scott. I mean, how, how do you, how do you know uh, when God is calling you, where he's calling you? Uh, the Holy spirit is, giving you that spark in your spirit that you just didn't expect. Uh, how, how do we know when to take action and where to move? Thoughts?
1: I, the only thought I can say is if you feel that little, that's it, right? Really? Or if you just feel, you know, like, you know, this is right, then Listen it's to that. good. If, if you feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, maybe you're not ready or maybe it's not the right move. But most likely, you know, if there's something that's in there and you just are, are hesitant, you may not be ready yet, or you just may need to just step into faith. I don't know. It's really interesting because I, you know, skating found me. Um, it was there a long time before I ever stepped foot on the ice, but it just was what I needed in order to thrive physically um, yeah. and pretty much every way in my life. So if you feel that, then, you know,
0: that's it. All guns, it. you know. That's engines probably- on full,
1: full <laughs> speed ahead. Let's go.
0: <laughs> well, Scott, how, how can we follow you? How can we follow what you are, what, what you're doing right now?
1: Well, if you want to help us change cancer forever at scottcares.org, that's a, a great way to go. And then, um, you know, uh, scotthamilton.com, you know, is kind of where I you know get booked for speaking and things like that. And, and just, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be on Peacock, uh, NBC over the Olympic games and, and we can have some
0: fun together. Well, Scott, I can't even begin to tell you what fun it was and what an honor it has been to have you here on the podcast and for this conversation. And for everyone, if this episode um, hit you, I I, I bet it has, uh, you can uh, leave a review on this. Also, for those who want to leave me a message, let me know what you think of the podcast. You can follow me at darrenjohnson1. Drop me a message there, or you can email me at darrenjohnson at mac com well scott hamilton again thank you for all you have done to inspire so many people around the world i'm one of them it's been such an honor to have you here thank you sir
1: uh thank you so much i appreciate it god bless
0: now that was a lot of fun to be able to sit down with scott hamilton and talk about life and faith and the discussion about what's next love that so now i have a favor to ask If you enjoyed this episode, please share this with uh, at least two friends and family. In fact, if you have a text thread with your family, I suspect that you do, forward this on to them. It's these types of messages that we cannot get enough of, especially during this crazy world that we are living in. So everyone, next week, we'll be on episode five. You're going to meet Elise Murphy. I think you're going to love Elise. She's from Australia, now lives in LA. She's a writer, she's a speaker, she's a pastor, and she is doing some pretty big things in her life to help others, and I can't wait for you to meet her. So we'll see you next week with Elise, and thank you again for listening to these conversations on the I Dare You podcast.